I'll let you do whatever kind of sponsorship you want. All right. I'm taking net and topless pic- pictures of Brian. We're going to send them out. Oh, sweet. I have been doing my kettlebell. <laughs> you <laughs> so look like it. Anything else, folks, www.crimeandmusic.com. I made a double V joke earlier when we recorded this the first time and Ben's mic wasn't on, so I'll do it again. <laughs> it wasn't that funny the first time. And it's not funny now. No. <laughs> All right. Well, check out that. the website. There's some cool stuff there. Bios. I don't know. Someday you can buy a t-shirt or a beer koozie. Because um, who can't? You need another beer koozie. Well, they can buy t-shirts and beer, beer they, koozies now. I Just not with our shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to lately? Have you been out and about the towns checking the byways and highways? Uh, a lot of driving. Yeah. Here in Michigan, I mean, we we do, you know, when we got time off in the in the summertime, you got to get out and do stuff. So, yeah, we've been doing a little bit of that. And not the healthiest train system in our state. No, no. You, and, you hit and the there's roads. No, but, hey, when there's when there's a nice day and there's, you know, not three foot of snow on the ground, go do something. Oh, don't, yeah. Yeah, don't get stuck in the house. No, get out there, people. Wherever and you live, Michigan, Montana, Minnesota, where any of the M's. And video games. Uh, video games are big, actually, I hear, for most of the year because it's snowing and below freezing. Yeah, and getting fatter. Oh, I've been doing some barbecuing, too. <laughs> I can tell. And the pizza oven. The pizza <laughs> oven's rocking. <laughs> what you do you mean you can tell? You like the outdoor cooking. No, you got you got a you got a scent of, of meaty goodness on you. <laughs> I showered this morning. Very good. Right before I went and made some more barbecue. So while you're doing the highways and byways, I'll edit this to make it make sense. Have you ever seen those bins they have at the uh, gas stations, the ninety nine cent video bins? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, you, when you when 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 you have to go in and pay because the credit card machine at the gas station ain't working. 
Yes. Or I've seen them. Has that suspicious bend, like where the card goes in, like the metal's bent up, like somebody's been fucking with it. Oh, that happens. I know. I've it seen. It was by some gas stations in miles where people were getting their credit cards ripped off. Skimmers, man. Yeah. Skimmers. Check for the skimmers. But if you're in the gas station and you see the old VHS and you come across a rare Leonardo DiCaprio movie called Catch Me If You Can, you familiar with this movie? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I like I like him. He was on. He started with uh, Kirk Cameron, didn't he? He did on Growing Pains. Yes. That's correct. Yes. So that's what saved that show. It, if, if it was know. like the end of that <laughs> show, though. I, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's what they do. A show will add a new character when it's like sort of in a downward spiral, and so they threw a new young guy in there, they, Kirk Cameron. Yeah, no, a little too preachy, church boy. No, <laughs> wait, no, he wasn't Bible Man. That was the other guy. Uh, no, that was Kirk Cameron. W- no, Willie Ames was Bible Man. I think Boner. No, Willie Ames was his friend with the curly hair, the little blonde kid who was. Uh, no, Kirk uh, Cameron is the Bible man. Oh, if you know which one was Bible man, They're pick a side. Both Bible man. It's uh, are you team Cameron or are you team Maze? All right, and this let us th- know on Twitter. We have officially gone off the rails. We're here. super off the rails. All right, Leonardo DiCaprio movie, catch me if you can. I feel like this might have something to do with our our, our topic today. <laughs> How, what a keen observation or as not. you Maybe pull not. us through the door here. Uh, yes. There's a guy out there, and his name was, like, Frank or something. He was a young kid, and he pretended to be an airline pilot. And what he did was, like, back in the day, airline pilots could fly for free on the airline that they supposedly flew for. And so this kid got got an airline pilot suit, and he would go fly all over the country. And then eventually he started taking, like, checks and taking stickers off a little uh, plastic whatever united airlines planes and putting those on checks and passing off forged checks right so confidence man he was a confidence man correct or con man and uh they have a sort of relationship with the fbi agent that tom hanks plays and they go around the country you know sort of sort of going after one another well today we're gonna go back into the 1900s the 1920s they had planes back then they some i mean i think they were just birds were they did they have chemtrails not yet. The government hadn't quite got to spiking the people with chemtrails and vapors. And I, let's not start the conspiracies. You want to talk about harp? Oh, dude, it'll change the temperature of the atmosphere. I'm telling you, you All can right. affect the weather. I, I'm on board. So anyway, that's a different podcast that we haven't started called Conspiracies with Ben and Brian. So we got this guy, and he's kind of like the Leonardo DiCaprio character. He's a young jazz musician, and he goes around the country, sort of forging checks. And he's got the law on him. He just basically, he's got entanglements with the law. So if you're a big fan of Catch Me If You Can, you're going to like the story of uh, coming to the stage, Dupree Bolton. Dupree Bolton. Dupree Bolton, born March 3rd, 1929, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Dupree Bolton. I had a coach with the last name Bolton once. Didn't like him. I thought we were going to get into Michael Bolton jokes, but I, it I just hit me as I was wrapping this up. I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be a whole Michael Bolton thing with him. <laughs> I uh, celebrate his entire catalog. Every <laughs> nice. Uh, okay, so what have I told you here that sounds a little weird just off the bat? In America, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 1929. Well, you, did you say he's a jazz musician? Well, I mean, he's just born on this day, so he's just a baby. But, yes, he does become a jazz musician. But All right, for those not thinking about it, because I, I, I can see you're not going to go <laughs> through this with me. Listen, you uh, said numbers. I don't really – Right. they don't work in my head. October 29, 1929 was the stock market crash in America. 
that's like this kid was born into not only the Great Depression in, in America, but also a thing called the Dust Bowl. The Dust Bowl, yeah. So yeah. dude is primed for a hell of a life coming up where people were literally eating dirt and dying by the thousands because of poverty and Yeah, I blame that on Trump. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not? So here's the thing. If you're a little uh, on the younger side, the stock market crash in 19 nine, uh, 1929 was the biggest economic thing to happen to America. Back then, there was no FDIC, which is the Federal Deposit Income Insurance. I don't know. It, it insures your money in banks. So basically, if a bank goes under, you're not out all of your cash. Well, back in 1929, if a bank went under, you're screwed. I mean, you just like, yep, sorry. Good luck to you. Many people in, in urban areas lost everything. Well, Oklahoma City, which was considered a relative boom town, meaning that that place was hopping, the industry was kicking, 58 new industries and uh, 400 smaller companies opened up for business in the winter of 1929 to 1930. Building permits exceeded $1 million per month in Oklahoma City back then. So they were, they were a boom town. They were kicking, man. So 1931 comes around, 4,200 families are in dire need of help, uh, 6,000 people had settled in Hoovervilles, which are these big cardboard, stri- like living out of refrigerator boxes and scrap wood shacks built along like the North Canadian River. Yeah, and, picture you know, the outskirts of Brazil. Oh, d- yeah, the favelas and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, it wasn't even corrugated plastic or metal or fiberglass. This is cardboard and scraps of wood. So that's, you know, the depression part. Then you kick in the Dust Bowl, which was a massive drought in the early 1930s, also known as the Dirty 30s, because... They had these huge dust storms. What they were doing is they weren't doing, like, ecology. They didn't have the agriculture all figured out yet, you know? American and Canadian prairie lands, they were just, like, turning over topsoil. They were raping and pillaging. Yeah. They did not have good farm practice. Then the wind came across the plains, and it blew it up into these huge dark tornadoes, or black tornadoes, they would call them, and they would literally just cover sand everywhere. And so... And strip the topsoil, and... Yeah, I mean, Africa killed the reef over in Australia. To get technical, it's called the Aeolian process, and uh, they weren't doing what they needed to do to basically have reusable farming. They weren't rotating crops. They weren't digging in deep. You know, it was all surface farming. They didn't let a field go fallow for them. No, they were just milking it for all the nitrogen they could. So you got the crash plus the bowl. I mean, you got the crash bowl going on for people in Oklahoma. This affected a hundred million acres. 400,000 square kilometers, for those of you in the metric system, of Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Colorado, and Kansas. So tens of thousands of families had to abandon their farms, and by 1936, the losses reached $25 million per day. Now, that's 1936 money. What do you think that is today? Like, probably more. $440 million, according to 2017 uh, figures. What? A day of losses. Oh, okay, a day. 440 million. I can almost afford that now. Every day? Not every day. <laughs> One day? Per week. Oh, wow. All pa- right. Patreon. I was looking to say. Uh, Patreon's really kicking in here. No. Okay, yeah, that's a lot. Of, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, that's, that's so a billion dollars every other day. Now we got uh, half. Yeah, I mean, you're there. Half every a billion a day. Other, yeah. I'm yeah. with you. That's a lot of money. So uh, these families, known as Okies, a bunch of them moved to California because you're not going to do much in Oklahoma this time. So okay, we o- got that's Okies. Yeah, Okies, yeah, the Okies were people who were transplanted from Oklahoma or have Oklahoman heritage. Out so that were moved because of the Dust Bowl and the Depression. Aren't, aren't the, the aren't the don't didn't Oklahoma uh, University?
University, aren't they called the Okies? I, I don't they know. weren't transplanted. They still live in Oklahoma. Some people stayed, man. All right. I mean, you know, the people who like the broom factory. So, so this this entire mess is going on over there. The dustbuster. And this is where Dupree's born. This is what he's born into. <laughs> That's a good start. Well, it's all up from there. Well, for a musician, actually, this was this will be a good start because you know most people the the worse your childhood, the better entertainer you are for a bit. So uh, his parents, Bolton's father, which is all we know about, who apparently just sprung into the universe because there's no mention of his mother out of like thirty articles. But uh, Bolton's father was an accomplished musician. He played piano, guitar, banjo, and perhaps violin per- perhaps perhaps viol- maybe <laughs> i don't know maybe we'll just put it on his bio I want that on my headstone ben rubles loving family man devoted husband blah 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 with the kids perhaps played the violin perhaps played the violin Meh. seems like something we should add <laughs> so now reportedly he was an early influence on uh this guy charlie christensen who was apparently a big jazz guy back in the day and uh we're not big jazz guys are we I was I am a classically trained jazz drummer. I was taught by Bob Hope's drummer, Bill Schaefer, so no, I am not <laughs> a jazz guy. Which, oh my god. But we got to throw It's this cool guy stuff in there. though. No, yeah. it's cool stuff though. It really is. And jazz is neat cuz jazz there's I do like jazz. There's some jazz, but not this hard bop bebop stuff. We'll get into that here in a couple couple years of young. Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> young Dupree's life. So uh yeah, Bolton's Bolton's dad, uh Dupree's dad, same guy. We'll call him Bolton and Dupree throughout this whole podcast. He supplemented his music career by working in the defense industry. So all I can imagine is uh, that he's just the guy who sits in the corner with the hammer, just ting, just banging on the bow, ting, ting. No, these are good. This is a Bugs Bunny ting. reference. That's all I can picture when it says the defense industry, because I look for more specifics, and again, it's just he worked in the defense industry. I told you it's Trump's fault. So it, they're sealed files probably. You don't want that. Anyway, uh, he's got his hammer, and he's tinging off, and, you know, they, uh, it's time to go. He's going to go jam. Perhaps tonight I'll play the violin. And he goes out, and he plays clubs at night. But because of the Dust Bowl, because of uh, all the, the depression and all that stuff, they moved to California. All right? Um, so these Okies head out to California. You got a bunch of Okies in California, and then you got young Dupree, and though his dad really wanted him to play the violin, perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, he was enthralled by the trumpet. He loved the trumpet. He's like, dude, trumpet's my jam. And his dad caves in and buys him a stupid trumpet. Did we? Where'd they move out in California? Uh, they are outside of L.A., kind of okay, like so central, southern, southern, southern California. Southern, okay. yeah. oh, I didn't know if they were from Oklahoma, if, you know, planting in the valley, this, that, and the other, you know, growing onions and other fruit. No, everybody ditches farming. And I- if you actually track it, the Dust Bowl helped add to the great depression because most of the farms people are just like fuck it we can't farm anymore so they go into the defense industry so most agricultural uh economies totally sort of crumbled at that point in time and we had to rebuild the agriculture base of the nation before yeah they made rules <laughs> yeah regulation I mean, regulation they, they will do it right, yeah. yeah and farming you had to that you can't e- do everything you, you can't do anything aeolian process baby that's yeah. the scientists get involved so he's living in Southern California he in the defense industry, playing perhaps trumpet. the trumpet. Well, per, well, perhaps the violin. Definitely playing the trumpet. <laughs> a little skeptical on the on the violin. Maybe allegedly, it's a crime podcast. Allegedly playing perhaps. the violin. So he quickly masters the trumpet. By his early teens, he's good enough to play professionally. So in 1944, he lies about his age. He runs away from home and joins 
Jay McShane's band at the age of like 13, 14. Jay McShane is like a local guy. He's, he's, uh, he's big 13, band. 14? Yeah. And so his parents actually uh, put out like a thing with the authorities, like missing child, runaway, all right, that stuff. Right, because I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in my own perspective. Oh, I yeah, you have a 13-year-old. I have a 13-year-old. I'm like, she what? just ran away and joined a jazz band? What the hell? Oh, no. y- you don't know what she did because that's the other thing that comes up is he changes his name to avoid the authorities. So he's playing these gigs. I'm like, tonight, special guest on the trumpet. Uh, no way. Miles Davis. I don't know, man. Like so he would make up stuff. Everybody listening, just think of the person you know that's like 13, 14 years old, and they're now traveling Southern California playing in a jazz band. In the biggest recession the country has ever known. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't that odd to just kick your kids out because there were people during the Depression, during the Dust Bowl, that just gave their kids up. Like, can't take care of them. Somebody else Well, do it. yeah. No, before that, people had kids just to work the farm, you know, so you didn't have to pay extra laborers. So, like, oh, fam- the family dynamic has changed a lot in, you know, 80 years. Not in my house. <laughs> Still working the dishwasher. soil? Dude, wow. You paid for it. You gave her a ring, right? I mean. Who? Your wife. I'm talking about my kids. Oh. Uh, I gave them a phone. <laughs> you want to keep that phone? Empty the dishwasher. I see. You didn't have to pay a dowry for your wife? Paying for it every day, Brian. <laughs> Man, I'm just out a couple sheep. I'm kidding. It was you more than those a, sheep around, huh? It was a goat, right? I'm just <laughs> Greatest of all time. Uh, so, uh, Jay McShane, he's got a 13-year-old trumpeter in his band. He's a jazz guy. He's a pianist and a band leader. He's from muskogee oklahoma and he's got a couple songs called confessing the blues the hootie blues and four day rider those are his big things and he gave dupree a shot and the kid's good he's off and playing in jazz bands and now. they're all in, from oklahoma well those two are everybody else you know jazz bands kind of piece people up oklahoma 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 love that scene that's great Wow. Uh, so they're on tour. Oklahoma, 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 Oklahoma. <laughs> While in tour in New York in 1944, he plays with a guy named Buddy Johnson and his orchestra. And uh, he's getting bigger, basically. So he's going from. Oklahoma, 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 Oklahoma. We're going to hear a lot from the people of Oklahoma. And the surrounding don't live in Oklahoma, right? Nobody lives in Oklahoma. Like seven people. They till the whole. They till the all in land. But if you are from Oklahoma and you got any good, you know, mule deer hunting spots or, or pronghorns, let us know at crimeandmusic.com. <laughs> For sure, we'll do a live podcast from your backyard. We will do a live podcast from your game ranch. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. <laughs> all right, that's I'm not. That's I'm out. I'm out. You should have kept it going. We'll, no we'll, more Oklahoma. We'll fade it. It'll be good. <clears throat> While in New York in 1944, he plays with a guy named Buddy Johnson and his orchestra. It's actually called Buddy Johnson and his orchestra because they had good names back then. That's a real – oh, so what do you want to name it? Well, Kurt Cobain and Bionic Dirt. No, how about Buddy Johnson and um, – Buddy Johnson and John. Right, and his orchestra. Well, got an orchestra. Pantera is Panther in Spanish. That sounds kind of uh, cool. My name was Bonita back in the day. Little oh. Flower. Little Flower. How yeah. was it? Gave me that nickname in fifth grade. No full names, especially not of convicted criminals. <laughs> uh, now we got to edit that, have that whole story. Why do we? Wait, be, you can't. Crime and music. I, <laughs> it's crime. This is only funny to us now because no one will ever hear this. 
want to hear this. If you play it for him personally, he will. I was there when he got arrested the last time. <laughs> <laughs> was standing right next to me. He goes, oh, dude, watch. He's like, I've seen this like three times. It's awesome. <laughs> what? All right. Get back on the rails. <clears throat> Buddy Johnson and his orchestra have a couple songs. They're called I'm Just Your Fool, uh, Since I Fell For You, and It's Abodacious. It's bodacious? No, it's obdacious. Obdacious. Yeah, O-B-D-acious. Obdacious. I don't even know what that means. Buddy Johnson. Anyway, he gave a young kid a chance. So what kind of scumbag was that where he gave some kid 13 years old who ran away from home? He's like, here, come play with my band. Probably diddling him. Oh, God. So he's 15 years old. He's a professional musician. His parents have a missing child report filed with the authorities. That's not funny. Uh <laughs> Now we both laughed. So he has to be using fake names and stuff in the clubs to keep, you know, uh, keep working, but not too high a profile. And uh, what do you do then? He, he's 13. He's in the clubs. They know he's underage. It's not like he's 17 or 16. Yeah, but like a 1944 13 is like 65 years old in 2018. That's true. Whole different lifespan. Right. right that kid is probably wearing a suit and a tie every day, had his suitcase with him. Big, huge collar, tiny Big little head. Yeah, just looking like, trying to look like a grown-up, even though he's just <laughs> a little kid. So, what do you think happens to a 15-year-old in the jazz clubs <laughs> in the 1940s? Drugs. Gets into heroin. Going with drugs. Yep, he is now on the H. Oh, so he went right to the H. Dude, he's 14. He didn't know any better. Everybody else was, you know, shooting up or smoking or whatever, so he gets right into heroin, man. Wow. Yeah, so. Uh, the first drug you did was not heroin. Uh, the caffeine was the first drug I did. Probably caffeine, then so some booze, al alcohol, yep, and weed, yep, and that's pretty and much. That's about it. That's about it. Uh, maybe so a mushroom. If you it comes, did a mushroom. If it comes from the earth, you're okay. It's the Seth Rogen plan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tell that to our uh, Ari Gartoff. Uh, look that stuff up. He's amazing. I don't want to start listing things to show my knowledge. Herbs. DMT. Arsenic. Oh, that's an apple seeds, man. You can't avoid it. Oh well, you can try. <laughs> don't eat the cores. 1946, Dupree is uh, arrested for the first time for dealing in possession. He spends the next four years incarcerated, and he gets released at the age of 21. Holy shit. Uh, they ain't dicking around back then, man. So, so was it? I'm, I'm assuming the heroines. It's the heroines I met. The so dealing's probably what got him. So I don't know a lot about all the heroines and all that stuff, but I'm assuming it was all, like, intravenous. Intravenous. Uh, the, 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 the needles and stuff, right? No, I, well, one, I don't know, but two... I think you smoked heroin like that, like back then. Oh, like what's the you know, you like do with the, the, the needles. That's heroin, but that's oh, the, they smoke the, the cooking it in a spoon. I think now this is what I know from movies and like Die Hard and stuff. But heroin comes in a big brick powder with tape all around the bag, and that powder, I think you can put it in a thing like a weed bowl and smoke it, or you burn it on a spoon, which melts it, and then you put it in your bloodstream. Wouldn't that burn? I think that would hurt like shit. Oh, my God, yeah. Can you imagine, like, injecting hot sugar into your blood? Nope. Not for me, my man. I could not imagine that. Sounds like a lot of work. It's it like cooking does. on a cast iron pan. Eh. I cook on cast iron every day. Oh, you know me. And I love it. You know me. My doctor one time got a thing where I was like, you have low iron. Like, what can I do? He said, cook on a cast iron pan since that day. I didn't know. I was like, oh, my God. It's like grilling year-round inside your house. It's amazing. Oh, cast iron. What's oh. Yeah, I mean, today you got to get the Lodge cast iron. I have Lodge cast iron. you got to get Lodge. Today. Lodge but is not a – But there are some old ones that are really good, too. We are not supported by or uh, endorsed by Lodge. Just we so may you know. be. No, we, we'll we might get 
we might get their support. We are accepting of their support. We are currently not paid endorsers of Lodge. No, we're not, but they do <laughs> make a nice cast iron pan. Hell of a cast iron pan. So Dupree moves to Los Angeles, California. Uh, he picks up some local gigs, and he starts a thing called shedding. You know what that is? Shedding? Shedding. But you have two big, huge dogs. Hell yeah, I know what shedding yeah, is. It's all over the place right here, Brian. I vacuumed. Thank you. Not right there. Well, okay. So, and yes, I have two golden retrievers. If you like the golden retrievers and crime and music, send me a picture of your golden retriever on the social medias. Go to patreon.com slash crime and music. Help me pay for my dog's food. So shedding uh, is practicing the technical facility of one's musical skill. So basically, oh, well, you're just three, doing three do 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 do. Uh, shedding is tr- practicing the technical facility of one's musical skill. So it's a jazz thing, and some nerdy rock guys will do it too. They just do 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 up and down the scales, baby. And then that trains your fingers, and it trains it. So like when you need to hit those notes, it's effortless. And so, basically, he's a big trumpet music nerd. All right. So, you know, shedding. It's a jazz term. It's like, you know, some, like back in the day, hey, cool guy, come fall by my pad. We can shed, you know. Uh, (laughs) Like a a bad Scooby-Doo episode here. Yeah, you know, uh, Maynard G. Krebs. If you want to talk beatniks. This probably was beatnik time in certain areas, I'm sure. The beginning of beatniks. Right. So, well, the beginning of jazz. Do you know where jazz comes from? The actual word jazz? No, I don't. Enlighten me. Oh, God, this one's going to be fun. You'll love it. Uh, scholars think jazz, it gives it away right now. Scholars think jazz, jazzum, uh, derives from the slang of jism or gizm. Oh, it is. Which is the historical dictionary of American slang dates to 1842 and defines it as spirit, energy, or spunk, which we now have taken to semen or sperm. And so the present day meaning of jism is taboo. But originally it was like. Vigor, you know. jazz, jazz. A handful of cum. Get get you some jazz, baby. Huh? Jazz it up. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> it is now, right? <laughs> got a great jazz album. Gonna put on later. Bibbidi bop boo, bibbidi bop boo. Mr. Richard Smoker, era That's jazz, right? That's <laughs> big band. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, 1951. Uh, <laughs> he's arrested for forgery charges. He had some stolen money orders on him, and we got a quote from a singer named Ed Reed. And Ed Ed says, quote, Dupree lived around the corner from me. Uh, He was my friend, my music mentor, and a friend of my family. He was my partner in crime. I gave him the stolen money orders that sent him to San Quentin. (laughs) Wait, let's throw the dude under the bus, Yeah, what? Was that after he was arrested he he said that? Yeah. I mean, this was in a – but it's like, dude, like, I'm his friend. He's friends of my family. We're partners in crime. I sent him to prison. (laughs) Great friend. With friends like that. <laughs> yeah. Who needs enemas? Wait. No, that's not right. So uh, time in prison, he do- Dupree does four years in Soledad or San Quentin or both. Is that the second time he did? Oh, yeah. We're back in. We're okay. So he did four, came back out. Oh, you're going to have fun keeping track of this. Oh, so second prison sent. All right. We'll get number two. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, again, Soledad or San Quentin. He spends time... Uh. Now, what uh, what unofficial beer sponsor was that? That you was brought to you by Founders All Day IPA. <laughs> that'd, that'd be a fun sponsor. Uh, he spends time practicing. This dude is in prison, so he practices up 12, 14 hours a day. So he's honing his craft. Oh, dude, he's shedding like a mother in there. He's just shedding it up. Some other prison. dude's honing his ass. Uh, he, 
Did they do that in the 40s? It I don't was know. Jazz, baby. It was j- <laughs> a lot of jazz. <laughs> a lot of jazz in prison. Jazz all over. Jazz all over those prison cells. Uh, he's released in 1956. So, uh, what do you think happens in 1956? More drugs. He goes back in on another forgery conviction, and uh, like almost immediately, he gets another three years and more practice time. More jazz. More shedding, more jazz in the cells. <laughs> a lot of jazz. A lot of there. jazz. Nine seems, I bet he really, <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, I convicted again. I need <laughs> more jazz. I really think, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. 1959. Uh, he's released again. So after thir- number three. I'm glad you're keeping track because learned right his this lesson. Learned his lesson, yep. straight and narrow. Yep. First thing he did after he got out of prison, he went to church, donated some money to the the the, the, the like orphans' home. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Habitat for Humanity, swinging hammers, oh, totally straight, helping the homeless, bowed off alcohol and drugs. Yep. And uh, now he's a full fledged trumpet monster, right? He's because uh, he's been practicing forever and ever. He gets back into the LA scene. He's killing it on stage at the nightclub jams, and these two dudes, Harold Land and Elmo Hope, big jazz guys. We're gonna say a lot Elmo. Of jazz. Elmo. <laughs> yeah, I was I was working on that earlier and I couldn't Elmo. do it. Elmo. Uh, they're trying to make a recording featuring these super tricky charts. They didn't even call it like mu- the music charts, but they're they're hip jazz guys. You know, they're charts. So we got we need a guy. A trumpet player who's technically good enough to do it, but could still sight read like what they wrote down just as well. <laughs> if only there was a guy who's like been locked in a room by himself with a trumpet for a couple of years. For like the last decade and a half. Who would be this technically skilled? Huh. If only. I wonder where we should look. Well, they go and see Dupree at a club in person, and the search is over. They find it. Dupree doesn't miss a beat, man. He's on it. So 1959, um, he appears, Dupree appears on this thing. Harold Land, he made an album called The Fox. Dupree made his own album? No, Harold Land is a guy who made an album called The Fox. Oh, Harold Land made an album. They, this is the after they found Dupree. Right, because yeah. they needed a trumpet player for their yeah. group. They're kind of stacking it like a super team, right? So tr- yeah. for reference yeah. sake, do you, what does The Fox say? Everybody in the world in their headphones just went dip, 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 dip. You know that what what does the fox say? I was thinking super team, you know, like Golden State. I, oh wow. Thought they were the gophers. Golden gophers. Warriors. Whatever. This is a music podcast. No sports. <laughs> Nerd. Take your jock and leave. Go play some uh football catch. Go or play some, some baseball throw. Some hoop points. Yeah. Go score a goal unit. <laughs> so uh okay. So Harold Land puts out this really cool jazz album called The Fox, right? And it features Dupree. So uh, Harold Land is a hard bop, post-bop tenor saxophone guy. And The Fox was described as, quote, an excellent, straightforward quintet set, high-quality, hard bop. People really liked it. That's a lot of words. Hard-quality, high-quality, hard bop? What was the described as what? It was an excellent, straightforward quintet, quintet set. So five Four, people. Five. Nice. Right. High quality, so sounded good. All right. Hard bop. Hard bop. Yeah, there's a bunch of different types of jazz. They divide up jazz like hard bop, bebop, post bop. Unskinny bop. Unskinny bop. <laughs> diddly bop. Diddly bop. And that's what it was, too, because, like, you'd have the horns. You know, stuff like that. Um, there's a band I like now called Too Many Zoos, and it's an instrumental horn band, and they're weird like that. And it's kind of cool, really upbeat stuff. But 
but that's like your hard bop and then there's post bop when the music scene moved on from that and people weren't squeaking and honking like geese and stuff like that and so that's kind of sort of where this fox thing comes in um it was super successful the jazz world wanted to know more about dupree who was he where'd he come from what's the deal and dupree had this thing where he was kind of like the silent monk reputation he didn't talk like at all he just played his trumpet you know, prison. Well, yeah, kind of. It kind of makes sense, right? One, you're on heroin. Two, you're in prison. You're really not going to say a lot, right? Like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, in today's world, it, it, yeah, I think it's lost on our youth today because when you're a superstar, you have to you have to sing well, or or, or, or your craft has to be really high end, at least not the best, but pretty good. And you have to be able to speak well. You have to be pretty, oh, which I think weeds out a lot of people that are crazy talented oh dude this guy knew how to play the trumpet movies like when they got into color movies and talkies and all that killed the whole the whole entire hollywood and the famous people flipped over because not everyone like you're saying was equipped for full color voices and uh like conducting yourself on a larger stage to be seen by more and more people i mean you wonder if john f kennedy would ever been president if they didn't have a a a video of him talking excellent people love that guy that's an excellent question and you wonder if janice joplin could make it today Oh, dude. Right? I mean, we had There was one of these things. I admit, I watched the shows like uh, America's Got Talent and crap like that. And somebody came out with this girl who's like, you sound just like Janis Joplin. I'm like, that's a mean thing thing to say to somebody. I don't like Janis Joplin. I'm not into the whole craggy heroin ragged out. I mean, she could sing, but. pipes were crazy. But Uh, you couldn't put that mug on TV today and expect to make money. Nope. Not at all, man. It's just, and that's kind of sad too, because the talents there, and and people like her, they didn't need to practice. I mean, they didn't. They practice. They they sang every night, but they didn't need to have everything polished. And it sounded awesome. And they came out and they ad libbed, and she would communicate with the crowd, get people up on stage. That's cool. So a few bands will still do it. Like you know, I mean, Grohl does it. I mean, they'll get people up there and just let them wail on the guitar, and he'll walk around like an idiot. But that was sweet. Did you see that thing where he had the Kiss guy on stage with Dave Grohl? Uh, he does it all the time. That but was yeah, sweet. the Kiss guy was pretty good. Kiss, the Kiss guy, guy was probably one of the best. Yeah. Oh my god. So, anyways, it, 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 and and back then, this guy was a tr- he he played the trumpet. Yep. That was what he did. That is his whole gig. And that's how he made his. He wasn't he wasn't out there to make anybody happy in the media. Nope. Give good interviews. Nope. Didn't have to look pretty on camera. Nope. I still don't have a picture of what this guy looks at like in my head. Yeah, you won't. He's considered one of the most mysterious figures of jazz. Like, Can I ask a few questions? Uh, let me give you one thing and uh, help you out here and see right. if I can. Uh, he did do one interview with Downbeat Magazine. And uh, here, I'm going to read you the entire interview. <clears throat> Quote from Dupree Bolton. When I was 14, I ran away from home. End of interview. I'm glad we flew you out for that one, Mr. Dupree. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, you want here's your check. Uh, can we quote you on that? We'll see you in next month's magazine uh, editorial. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much what you get from Dupree Bolton, man. I mean, he is, is, he, a, is he a man is he, of few words? Is he a white dude? Is he a brother? I mean, what do we got here? I don't know. I, I he is a black gentleman from Oklahoma. All right. I, so. I, well, I would have guessed jazz. A lot of you know black dudes in the jazz oh yeah but he's from oklahoma i'm not saying everyone was white but i i didn't have a i didn't have a picture of him in my head you you got it now no uh not much me neither because again there's not a whole lot of footage there's a couple of old grainy black and white videos on youtube but he's he's 
black dude, you know, nice black dude just playing the trumpet. Playing the trumpet. Like yeah. A, like a mofo. So uh, shortly after the Fox is released, a brood, Dupree is enjoying his, well, <laughs> Fox is released. Anyway, uh, Dupree is enjoying all of his fame and more drugs. Goes back to prison. Goes to San Quentin for drug possession, where he, set, uh, he stayed there until 1962. So he's really going back between forgery and drugs. Pretty much. I bet you he wasn't, you know, trying to diversify, but he was doing both all the time. He just got caught for one or the other at the They probably just knew at a certain point. Um, there's a couple of things that come up in the articles where jazz was really affected by the war on drugs. They're like, man, basically some one article called The War on Drugs, The War on Jazz, just because that's how deep in that sort of subculture it is. Drugs were very yeah. much just hand in hand with the jazz community. Yep. The jazz scene. So that's well, mixed it's up with a bunch sad. of reefer addicts. <laughs> <laughs> Upon his release, Dupree is uh, he's kind of headhunted by this saxophone guy named Who Curtis Amy. Calling a reefer addict. Um, he wants Bolton, this guy Curtis Amy, he's a saxophonist again. He's headhunting Dupree. He wants Dupree Bolton to be on his upcoming album, Katanga, and that's uh, Curtis Amy's most famous. It's a very famous jazz. Wasn't album. that the Boy Meets World girl? I can't not get Topanga in my head. That was just such my childhood crush the entire, until now. She's still hot. Oh, yeah. They both look pretty much exactly, they, they got a new move show out on Danielle Netflix, don't they? Official, it got canceled. It looks pretty good. Yeah, Girl Meets World, the story my, of their kids. My kids like it. Yeah, yeah they watch it. Done. They rush that final episode, too, because then all of a sudden, everybody in the world comes through their apartment in New York to do a catch-up of what happens to them. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah, she was, was nice. It was good, she, though. She, was, they, she, had, she had soul. Topanga was awesome, man. All you Topanga fans out there. So uh, we got this guy, Curtis Amy, making this album, Katanga, and he wants Dupree on it to play the trumpet. The dude's a ninja trumpet player, obviously. And so, again, Dupree steals the show. He's totally on fire, dude. He wrote the title track for the album, which got the most play. So dude's killing it. A few weeks later, he, Dupree, was chosen um, by Curtis to be in a group with this, well, he was chosen by these guys to be in a group to back Lou Rawls. Who, now we have somebody we've all heard of. I like, you remember Lou Rawls? Yeah. You'll never find someone who loves you tender like I do. Not an episode without Brian singing. You'll never find. He's dancing too, so if anybody. It's, That's like, it's, a it's, it's like a white guy dancing. It's the, the sidestep show. The hands yeah. were very much below the head. Very, yeah. Hands down low. I am hands not confident. Low. <laughs> Not coming. So, uh, 1962, Dupree, he's, he's hitting it now, man. He's got this Lou Rawls gig. He's doing a couple of TV shows with Curtis Amy again. He's, he's got this Katanga release. It's a big hit. And? Drugs afterwards. Yeah, he gets arrested for? Probably drugs or counterfeit. Or drug possession like and forgery. And he goes <laughs> oh, back. Oh, and for, he did both. He got double hit this time, yeah. So, he was probably shooting up with a bunch of fake money orders that his friend gave him. And so uh, he goes back to San Quentin. Now we have a quote from Dupree. This would be the third thing he's ever said in his life. <clears throat> San Quentin was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. No need to talk about it. That's saying a lot with a guy with like two whole sentences to his public credit, right? I mean, geez, he must not have liked San Quentin. So. Well, I mean, he's got a lot of, you know, background. He knows. I mean, he's been around a couple of jails. He's a professional. Yeah, he's Van Quentin. He's a professional uh, prisoner. That's the worst. That's the worst one. So, 1967, he's out. Dupree goes and plays with a guy named Bobby Hutcherson. And after that show, 
goes back to jail. Goes back to prison. <laughs> what is this number six? Number seven? You were supposed to be keeping track, right? That's what I said. You're gonna have a I ran out of toes. <laughs> ben only has six toes. <laughs> we'll explain that in later episodes. Uh, while serving time at Joseph Harp Correctional Facility in Tulsa, Oklahoma, this time. Um, he plays with the prison band. Oklahoma, 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 Oklahoma. Mothers. So they record a couple songs there. And they actually, there's a jazz scene um, in prison. I don't know if you know this, but like we just talked about, sort of the war on drugs is the war on jazz. So what was happening back in these days is you wanted some kick-ass jazz musicians. You go to a prison, and they're there over in the corner jamming with the instruments, staying away from the weight sets and the mob and stuff, dude. There were so many good music, uh, like a bunch of names I'd never heard of, but you read their credits. I'm like, oh my God, this dude has like five number one songs and he's some bass player who's in prison. And like this guy's a trombone player who like literally invented the genre. I'm saying it's so crazy, man. So I guess back then people weren't putting the connection together, but there was a lot of good music to be made in prison. So they, they do some prison, they do like a prison album. And Dupree's kind of embarrassed by it because he's from, you know, it's prison. He's like, I don't really want to have that You'd be think my he was credit. Em- embarrassed to be in prison, he would have stopped going there. Well, I, that might be the smack, dude. I mean, once you get on the H train, I don't know that you get off, right? I, I'll let you know. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> You're planning success. I like this positivity. So, uh, well, that was, what, 1967? <laughs> he's been in jail now 70 Three times. It, well, the duration's going to get you here. 1982, uh, he's released from prison. Oh, wow. Again. And uh, he briefly plays with Dexter Gordon Group out of Oklahoma City. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I, I have to ask you, Ben. <laughs> what do you think happens next? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to guess he didn't go into the, 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 the monastery. No. 1989, Dupree Bolton uh, is presumed to move back to the West Coast. He sort of kind of fades out right there. He either gets better at hiding his crimes or he just stops trying. So there's rumors he settles in the San Francisco Bay Area and uh, he's playing on the streets and small jazz clubs and stuff. He's not what he once was, but every once in a while he still lets people know that he's not some ordinary dude, right? They, he's like, Lights the club up. Right. He's like, motherfuckers, you don't know this, but I've been locked in a box with a trumpet for three decades, and I know how to blow. And so he'll he'll light it up every once in a while, but he's not the same guy. And so we get to June 5th, 1993. Uh, Dupree Bolton, age 64, dies of cardiac arrest. Yeah, heroin will do that to Oh, my heart. God. His heart must have just been age 64 is not that far away for us. Well, I, I mean, mean, in the grand scheme of things. It, yeah, as far as life goes, it's coming around. It's getting closer. It's not getting further away. I'm afraid not. Yeah, and this guy was um, in prison for so much of his life. Dude, like all of it, dude. Like, and he and he was one of these guys in the jazz community. Jazz has never been on the top rung of the music indus- industries. Like popular music, you're saying. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there was a time where some jazz songs were the height of the, the day, but not the, the genre as a whole. I, I get you. And I bet you there's a lot of musicians that came from that jazz um, uh, arena and, and came in and played in bands, you know, back up just, just – just cover bands or not cover bands, but they called studio. Yeah, session musicians yeah. or studio and musicians. They were, and they were top notch, best. Well, they I, just weren't marketable. Right. I'm not good by any means, but learning that style of jazz coming up playing music, I, when I did get into like rock and all the hippie stuff and all that and punk and ska or whatever, it was easy. 
because jazz is all that technical. They, it's a good background to have. So yeah, they could you could play anything, man. You could go rock or or easy listening or big band. Big band was taken off then. Count Basie and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So you could have transitioned into some of that too, or you could just do the heroin and go to prison. Well, I I, I think this this guy uh, his story Dupree's story may may kind of get, shed a little light on what many stories of that era of that genre of the jazz era in that depression slash world war ii era yeah kind of was this story his story is many stories it wasn't a glamorous story he wasn't a millionaire he wasn't making crazy money no he didn't he didn't have some sort of headline oj simpson thing going on it no. was this was jazz he was the grimy underbelly of a very popular genre yep and his story is many stories his 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 story because he came in he was awesome invented helped invent an entire genre of music had a lot of problems doing it it's not a life i'd like to live no and then kind of faded sadly kind of faded away and and he was one before we started i was talking to ben about how i try i wanted to get somebody from each sort of subject section of music and this was jazz and i was looking up jazz and everybody had that same sad story oh brilliant child jazz musician got hooked on drugs is in prison that's the end of the story you know uh, you're, you're waiting for that like i picked dupree because he got on tv he got with lou rawls he had I mean, four quotes he did three he spoke three times in his life um so yeah man but it's sad kind of you know i mean i wanted these to be sort of fun and sort of happy but the jazz ones i guess that's the nature of jazz i guess it's complex and it's, it's more than what you see on the surface and underneath it's it's sad. jazz is so upbeat and exciting and, and fast-paced and dynamic very dynamic music right but it, you know and you think of like like say the jazz is close cousin to blues yes where you, you know, everything's terrible and bad and sad and it's emotional right but almost behind the scenes you got to flip-flop the two well that a lot of these jazz players are just living a, a rough a, a, a hard existence I'm like gonna, like dupree i'm gonna talk out my ass right now but i'm pretty sure that Don't hard bop <laughs> that hard bop and that bebop was sort of that expression of frustration. It's like, you know, you're like getting those things out without making words, but you've got these sounds that evoke that chaotic thing. I mean, you, ra- like you ran away at 14, right? I would have some pent up things like, ah, and so I've got this trumpet in my face. And so it, you know, like he's very clean on the YouTube videos I watched. He's very, I mean, again, you locked out a box with a trumpet for three decades. You should be good. But he was like, he had a precision. He, so technically good, man. It was, it was really well, nice. Well, I, I can't wait to go check this guy out on the YouTube. If look you'd like the, to look on the Googles on it. If you'd like to learn more about Dupree Bolton, check out Fireball. Uh, have have that like in a fifth or a pint, and then once you're done with that, listen to the record of the same name called Fireball. Fireball. And uh, that's that's it. So uh, since we said Fireball, um, that wraps it up this, this week, man. Well, thanks for listening, everybody out there in uh, La La Land in the uh, in the podcast area. I think we need to make sure everybody out there checking us out on all the um the, the Twitter and the internet. You can find and us the MySpaces. On- I'm gonna put MySpace thing together. I swear to God. I- Blow us up on MySpace, folks. That's Ben's baby. He's in charge of the MySpace. And one day I'll do it. If you'd like to communicate with us before then, you can find us on Twitter at Crime and Music, uh, Facebook and Instagram is CrimeandMusic.com. Emails, whatever you like. Crime and Music. All other things crime and music, www.crimeandmusic.com, and for 
Ben and myself. We'll catch you in two weeks. We can get it. <laughs> like the song says, never trust a big butt in a smile. Oh, hey, I just want to say one thing before we got off the air. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.